Welcome again to the another episode of the Ryan Show, uh, folks. I decided to return to the old episode, the old title, the Ryan Show, uh, and today's guest is Saints Twitter Hall of Famer Shay. She is joining me live from Texas, and today's episode we'll be talking about uh, being the black mom, being a black, being a black mom uh, 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 with a kid that has autism and some of the misconceptions. And also we'll be talking about uh, the memories of making Tom Brady cry on Halloween weekend and what you're looking forward to uh, on Friday when the Saints take on the Texans. Shay, welcome to the podcast. Welcome Thank to you the for podcast. having me, Ryan. Yes, like, no problem. Like this is, this is amazing. Like you're like, I think there's been like, I think five or six people from the tailgate has been on the podcast uh bj was on uh bj was on uh back in june and uh <laughs> bree's been on a couple of times brian's been on cousin brian been on a couple of times he hasn't been on he hasn't been on so far this year but he was on last summer and mm-hmm. it's so many people so the reason why i decided to bring you on and talk about you know being a black mom with a kid that has autism is because um a lot of people don't know this. For years, I have worked with uh, this kid, this dude who was in college with me. He was a guy yes. named Kemper Chad. And um, as a person growing up in the inner city, um, I didn't know of any black people with autism. I didn't. You know, I, I was one of those people that said, oh, yeah, white, white people get autism. Black people don't. Get autism like we're we're not you don't we don't you don't think of black people being on the spectrum you mainly yes. think white people and and i thought about it today and i thought about it i thought about it today and i thought about it um you know i just thought about it so much in the uh in the days leading up to this because i had a conversation with a lady named trisha harris and who i mentioned to you who i mentioned i mentioned you mm-hmm. because around the same time your kid had that, uh, that uh, my EMF had that, uh, uh, that out was going through that meltdown. She was going through it with her kid and she, she stays in Georgia. So I, I, I remember thinking to myself, um, I was a person that thought, oh yeah, white people have autism. Black people don't have autism. But then I also thought about how white folks, they have the, the access to all the resources in terms of autism, in terms of kid dealing with kids that have autism, whereas you have as with African Americans, you have to like search and look around because nobody's telling you anything. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 I'll say this, and then we'll go deep into it. Um, the guy who I knew in college, a guy named Temperature, his mom he had Asperger's, so he had Asperger's syndrome. So. In the years that he was at Christian Brothers, um, the school they did not they did not give him any kind of help. They didn't give him any kind of help, and more importantly, his mom his mom like he came from this rich family, yeah. And his mom threw money at the problem. We're not talking about like therapy or anything of that nature. She wrote a check to the university. And basically told the university, look, you cannot do anything to my son. You cannot kick my son out. If he acts up, 
you cannot kick my son out of school. Yeah. She basically wrote a check. And there were times, Shay, that he would do creepy things. Like he creeped up, he would do creepy things. He would run around campus. And me being a person that I did not know he didn't, I did not know he had Asperger's until campus security. I went to campus security one day because somebody had complained. One of these women had complained. And I literally say, look, do you all want another Virginia Tech on your hands? Because this dude fits the profile. And the guy who was in campus security mm-hmm. sat down and he was like, Ryan, do you know what he has? He has Asperger's. So I had to like do research on this. And then I actually had to think about my own self. I'm like, am I on the spectrum too? Because people have always assumed I was on the spectrum. So yeah. that was my introduction to um to black people with 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 autism. That was my mm-hmm. introduction. It was a bad introduction because it turned out that his mom tried her best to throw like she just would write a check and it was no kind of like therapy or anything. And mm-hmm. and and what led me to leave and, and years later, um, you know, I'm from Memphis. So um, so here's what happens. He was trying to start a business. And I mean, no, I, let's backtrack this. His mom had died. Mm-hmm. His mom had died. His sister comes to me and my cousin and said, could we look after him? And for like the last two years I was in, in Memphis, I was basically off and on helping him. And it got to the point where it burned me out so bad, Shay, that I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Because his mom and the support system he had around him, they did not know how to deal with him. So what they did was they just threw him on me. They threw him on this other person. They threw him on that person. They did not, they just threw him on people. And, and, and it got to the point where I was so exhausted that I was like, um, going to New Orleans was like, a, was like an escape. Moving here was an escape. But then even when I was living in New Orleans, I still had to help him because he didn't have social skills. He didn't have any of those things. And it was just, it was just I think, a bad way for me to learn about you know, being autistic while black. And then I'll say mm-hmm. one last thing. Um, I never told you this story. Yes. And I never told anybody this story. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember when Michael Brown happened, right? Yes. Okay. So one year, uh, this is um, 2015. This was before I moved. This was three weeks before I moved. I had gone to... Oxford, Mississippi, which is where Rod is from. Me and Rod, you know, Rod from the Rams fan, we're from the same part. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Highway 6 runs right by, uh, runs out of Oxford. So I'm in the car with Tim. Tim is switching lanes on this, on this, on this narrow-ass highway, two-lane highway. We get pulled over by the Mississippi State Police, Mississippi State Trooper. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, my God, this is ironically the year, one year anniversary of, of Michael Brown getting shot and killed. So I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I'm expecting the worst because 
he's going to argue with the with the cop. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. dude, I don't want you to be a hashtag. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Do what they say. And whatever happens, happens. And the guy, he was a white dude. He walks over to me. He show, asked, I show him my license and everything. Um, he asked me, Ryan, young man, he didn't know my name. Young man, is he on the spectrum? I'm like, yeah, he has Asperger's. So he got off mainly because the guy had um, the computer he used was fucked up. Like he ran his license through the system. The computer was fucked up. And we went on about our business. He didn't say nothing. Nothing happened. But in that moment, I was very tense because I was scared that he would be a hashtag. And this is Mississippi. And it was something that scared the fuck out of me. And I know for a fact with you and as we talk about it uh, uh, now, like when 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 the doctors told you that my ENF was on the spectrum, what was your first reaction? Uh, okay. Um, well, pretty much, I already had a slight feeling. Um, that something was wrong with my child way before we got the official diagnosis. Um, I remember telling you guys that me, his father, and um, Donnie were all in the hospital for almost two weeks because he ended up going into um, shock and he couldn't breathe and stuff like that, find out he had um, got E. coli. Mm-hmm. At this time, we didn't, we did not have him vaccinated or anything. I want to point that out there. Um, he had not gotten vaccinated yet. We were skeptical of getting him vaccinated. Um, was this for, was this during, was this before the pandemic or after the pandemic? Before the pandemic, he was okay, six okay. Years old. He was uh, six months going, um, six months years old. So this is right before Hurricane Harvey, or right, well, right after Hurricane Harvey. Um, okay. Yes. So that when we took him to the hospital after that hospital visit, he was no longer giving us eye contact. He was no longer the happy baby that we were used to the first five months of his life. Um, his um, developing was regressing. So when we took him to his well-checked visits and stuff, she was showing, she was concerned. She wasn't concerned. Um, she was like, she kept telling us, well, most children and babies and toddlers go through their own development in their own time. So he may develop these skills at a later time while he has, he's developing these skills right now. So it's like, okay, cool. We wrote it off. Fast forward, he's a year old. Um, he's walking. He's not trying to interact with other kids so that was a red flag for us as well and he what he wasn't interested in toys and stuff so that was a red flag for me and his father everybody else like we said some kids don't like 
to interact with kids, yet they're still trying to develop social skills. So give it some time, he will gather his social skills. Okay, so around 18 month mark, they're supposed to have like two, two to six words in their vocabulary. Donnie had none. He was babbling still like a, like, and cooing like he was three months old. So that's what gave um, us a really big red flag in his pediatrician. And she was like, look, um, before he turns two, I'm going to refer you to a behavioral specialist and a psychiatrist, a, a pediatrician psychiatrist. Cool. So when we went to the clinic to get him evaluated and we sat down with the lady, she already noticed the signs. He was uninterested in the toys that she put out in front of him. She put down some snacks to see if he would pick up the snacks and play with the snacks. She gave him a little test. He was very much uninterested. And then all of a sudden he had an outburst. So that's when she was like, okay. Then she asked me, me and his father some questions and we answered them truthfully. He hasn't had any any words. He's had no signs of wanting to pick up or play with pens, paint stuff, markers, stuff like that. Um, his mo- his gross motor skills like running, walking, jumping, climbing, all that stuff was beyond um, excelled and stuff like that. His main focus was more of the technology side. And then she asked us, how does he do with other children? Um, the, at the time, me and when he, me and his father was living together and together, we would try to get him to go outside and play with other kids. He was uninterested. He didn't want to go near the kids. He would make me bring him back inside the house. So the um, when she at when she was like, okay, well, he is on the spectrum, and she also says because of his developing skills, she's also going to put him on the scale of global mental um, developmental delay, um, also known as retardation, which I hate that word with a passion. And she said the same thing. She hates that word too, but that's the medical term for it. But she says she's going, she's not 100% sure on that portion, but she says he is on the spectrum and he has autism, anxiety, and ADHD. Um, he also has um, slight um, OCD as he likes things a certain way and he does things a certain way as well. Um, but when she told us it, for me, I already knew. As a mother, you already know. You're mm-hmm. with your child 24-7. So, mm-hmm. so you already had built up and already knew you just needed the confirmation. So I accepted it. His father, on the other hand, was not accepting it. Um, so, but he's now come to terms with it. He's now fully accepting, okay, my child is different. So basically for me, I already knew the moment we came out of the hospital when he would turn six months old. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's basically how I found out and how I felt when I found out. You know, I think about what you said. I think, of, I, you know, because one thing I do, I do, I, I, I never say a lot myself. So mm-hmm. I do think one of the things I remember talking to someone is like, you know, that reality, I think uh, one of the things I said to somebody, I said, you know, with, with folks in the black community, we, we accept, we, we can't come to terms with weird instantly, but we come to accept it down the road. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's like, you know, it's like I explained it to somebody and I think about my own childhood, Shay. It's like I didn't do things that a typical black boy did. Mm-hmm. And people thought I was weird. And and because it, 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 you know, and I, I never was told I was on the spectrum or anything. But, yes. but it's like that's the thing that I always get. You know, I always think about. It's like we as black folks, some black folks, they don't do weird that well and and my next question my follow-up question is how did people in your family how did they react to the news um well (laughs) they it was iffy my mother came my mother accepted it his paternal grandmother accepted it um his aunties accepted his uncles accepted it my father and my and his paternal father was not accepting it. They're big conspiracy theorists. But um, after further research from them and stuff like that, they finally came to terms with it and they are still learning, just like I'm still learning. But mm-hmm. I know a lot more because it's my child. I'm with him 25 eight. Um, but that and our whole family is accepting. Um, even the extended family, they're accepting. They understand. They get it. They um, check in, try to check in with us every now and again to see if we need anything. Um, asking us questions to see what are the signs if, that they need to look for in their children and stuff like that. So everybody's accepting. I, I think the thing that the, the really the, the the the, or the hallmark of this conversation is that we talk about autism, then we talk about ableism, and you mm-hmm. and I want you to expound on that because I think there's there's a big difference between those words like autism and ableism, uh, and I want you to talk to uh, our my listeners about that real quick. Well, ableism is basically how can I put it? to words where other people can very um, get it and grasp it. Ableism is things that you are able to do that most people can't do. Like the people with disabilities, such as they can't walk, they're paralyzed, they're paraplegic, people that can't see, they can't hear, they can't talk. Um, Those are forms um, of disabilities and pretty much that things that we can do, they can't do either. Um, They can't do. So there's um, a lot of things where people have misconception of autism um, that they put, that they have um, misconceptions of autism on what they can and can't do. Um, 
Like, for example, they swear up and down that autistic children or people are dumb and they can't do certain things or um, they can't see and stuff like that. I'm like, no, they are very much 100% normal. Mm -hmm. They just, their brains are wired differently than ours. They can still talk if they want to talk. They can still read, write, play music and stuff like that. They're just more advanced at that stuff than we are. Um, They swear autistic kids or adults can't, learn things they can they just have to learn it a certain way like there we have different forms of ways of learning we have visual we have kinetic where that depends on we have um verbal learning them are on the scale is you have to do repetition with all three at the same mm-hmm. time for them to learn that's what I was um, going about with ableism and stuff like that. They can do what we can do and so much more and sometimes so much better. Like majority of our geniuses in the world and in history were on the spectrum. For mm-hmm. example, our eyesight, um, Van Gogh, Mozart, all them, they were on the spectrum and they are brilliant people so that's where I was going based off of with um, ableism. Now, autism, on the other hand, autism is a very unique kind of neurological or genetic disorder. And the main, main, main misconception that pisses me off is with vaccines. Vaccines does not cause autism because vaccines help your immune system, Mm. not your neurological system, not your genetic system. So you can't, and there has been proven facts that there are far more unvaccinated children and adults on this spectrum than there are um, or equal to to those that are vaccinated that's on the spectrum. And my child, he really, we, started getting him vaccines, but they weren't really working because his immune system also plays in the factor of his form of autism. Um, He is um, considered high functioning, severe level three autism. So he needs a lot of therapy, a lot of repetition, a lot of guidance. for his form, but he is very, very smart. He's he he can learn. He's very understanding. Um, autism, or in the medical sense, um, autistic um, autistic spectrum disorder, can consist of many, many things. Asperger's mm-hmm. is one of the um, portions of autism. You have ADD and ADHD. They're on their forms of the spectrum. Um, anxiety is an autistic spectrum disorder. Um, all, all those things. There's many more. Um, and the OCD is up there as well. I have OCD as well. OCD. Yes. yes. Uh, all of those. All of those are forms of ASD. So even though autism can be also a genetic disorder not everybody 
in your family can have it or it can skip a generation or it can be extended, but somebody in your family can get it. Um, his paternal, my son's paternal side, anxiety is a very, 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 very big issue. Um, you can still develop anxiety over the time, but anxiety is still based off of a spectrum disorder. And um, my family, we have people with ADD and HD, HAD, um, ADHD. Um, I have anxiety. Um, I don't take medications for it, don't get me wrong, but it's still a genetic disorder. My mm. son just happens to get all of those. My grandma has OCD, so my son happens to get all of those. And we have people out here, um, like I stated, um, think autistic children or people can't do what we can do we are all on the spectrum somehow in some kind of way all of us yes absolutely 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 nobody's a hundred percent normal we're all on the spectrum in some type of way it may not be a specific it may not be severe like most cases are but we are all on the spectrum um so that's my thing. Another thing I wanted to talk about is um, how we have people swearing up and down, doctors are misdiagnosing. No. Um, if back then they really, our parents and this in the black community and the Hispanic community, um, and then the indigenous family, all communities, we all are, well, our grandmothers and some of us now in days too, write, write um, meltdowns and um, behaviors as bad behaviors or bad children. No, it's not the case. There's sometimes when they are having these meltdowns or something, or you notice some signs, Take that in consideration, think about it, and try to go get your child look um, evaluated to see, to make sure that they're not one of those severe cases where they need extra guidance and extra help. Um, the Black community itself has it bad. We really need to um, listen to our children and focus on Thank our children you. because we, we, have a lot of um children and adults that have been undiagnosed of autism and they write them off as bad behavior and they don't get exactly. um exactly. I, so, I will stop you right there shay yes. you know you bring up a point about this because i again this is what was this was what um i went through i'm talking about my my own childhood Mm -hmm. There would be times when my mom would ask, Ryan, why do you, why do you act the way you act? Like my mom would say things mm -hmm. like that. She would never, she was never a big uh, proponent into therapy. Like when I said, when the stuff that I talk about on the timeline, I said like the stuff I talk about on my timeline about my mom being pissed as fuck at me for going to therapy. She mm -hmm. was, when, when I found out I had anxiety disorder, 
um, I was a teenager and my mom, I'll never forget this. She literally was like, the only therapy you need is a doctor. She never knew why I had anxiety. And I explained mm-hmm. like the story I like the one the one thing I tell people, like for example, me personally, I won't go to like I will go to I'll go to a an uptown second line because I live uptown, but mm-hmm. I won't go to a I won't go to a downtown second line. I won't go to a downtown second line because I'm always fearful, like, oh my God, what if something happens and I don't have like an escape plan? But like, but because I live uptown, I stay right on the parade route. Yeah. I know how, like, if something, if I do get overwhelmed, I right fall back around, right back to, uh, right back over to where I stay at, which is right on the parade route. Mm-hmm. And, and, and th- th- those are the things that, th- that's really one example, like, right there, because, again, like I told you earlier, people always wondered, why did I act the way I act? And I was like, well, maybe you should try to talk to me and ask me questions. And I will then talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and you also bring up the point about like the guy that, um, the guy that, um, that I told you that I brought up earlier, yes. he talked about autism, vaccines causing autism. Mm-hmm. I had argued with him constantly. Mm-hmm. When they were rolling out with the vax with the COVID vaccines, I said, "Dude, three hundred and sixty thousand people needlessly died," and he started spouting off these right wing, like he was spouting off right wing nut job shit, and he started mm-hmm. saying all this stuff, and I was like, "Okay, I'm just gonna just back away and let you talk," because he would say the things like he would talk about like vaccines cause autism. Like that stuff, everything you just said, just in the moment, I've heard it all from him. Mm-hmm. You know, they gave him meds. They gave him meds. When his mom died, it was like I ended up having to help him out, help him. And then his grandmother helped him. They had a payee system. And it was like, Shay, when I say it was like the worst thing ever ever imagined the guy it was like the guy that was over his money stole the money from him and he had to basically work and get that back so we had to literally fight to get him get him to be his own payee and get went and uh and get his and and collect disability because we knew he could not hold down a job like yes. that was like that was it was like like that his his autism his autism is like I don't know what level it's on but it's far far it's it's way out there like it's yeah. way out there and it's and it's whole it's frustrating because like that like the the thing that I explained earlier the stuff that happened in Mississippi um uh, that happened in Mississippi it was because I guess this was a white dude. Um, and white people, for the most part, they have, they know more, a lot of people in their families that got the autism, et cetera. They mm-hmm. know those things. So they're going to be like, okay, we know what he has. Yeah. You know, and I think had it been a black cop, I don't think he would have been, he, they probably would have been understanding. And then some in our community, they're not understanding because we don't like weird. Uh, my other question is mm-hmm. that, you know, and this is what I asked with Trisha Harris, who was on my podcast. Yes. You know, 
as he get older, do you does the height does the worry heighten? You know, does it work? Does the worry heighten because this is black? You know, this is a black kid, uh, and he's also autistic. How does does the fear does your worry grow as he gets older? Honestly, it really does. The moment I found out I had a, was having a little boy and him being a black boy in America, uh, I was worried. And for him to be diagnosed with autism, even put more worry because in a situation that has to do with any police or any confrontation, my child has a meltdown and his first instinct to do is to react. And as of now, he can't communicate. So the most he can do is when he's having a meltdown, he will fight. He will bite you, he will pull your hair, he would hit you. So knowing what black boys, black men go through in America and for him to have autism worries me a lot, especially in a situated confrontational situation like with the cop or something. They're not gonna know he's on the spectrum. The first instinct that they might have is he's hostile or mm-hmm. um, attacking and they fear for their life and pull their fear for their life hard and shoot him and kill him. Um, just like that one video from back back then when mm-hmm. police came out in 2012 with the little with the black um with the black uh, man with the autistic child that he was being a um, therapist and a mentor yeah, for. Yeah, in Florida. That was in Florida. And they uh, stopped him and shot his mentor and then shot at the boy, even though he kept shouting, he's, he's has autism, he has autism, he has autism because he wasn't complying or listening to the cops. That's my worry. My son's not going to understand if I or his dad or his um, special dad or my mom, his other grandma, his aunties, his uncles, my dad, his other grandpa sit down and talk to him about what our people, especially Black men and Black boys go through with America, he's not going to understand that. So yeah, it gives me a lot of worry. And it gives me a lot of worry for all Black boys on the spectrum, because they are going to have it. I don't want to say it worse, but they're they're not going to listen or hear out. The first instinct they're going to do is to shoot, to kill. So... Absolutely. Like that was like it was like that was the thing that worried me that day because I'm like we're in like we're in like the sticks. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever been to northern Mississippi, but like outside of Oxford, it's nothing but fields. And like we were going to Holly Springs and I, that was the first thing that popped in my mind because mm-hmm. the guy, Tim, he was with me. Uh he was driving, I was riding, and um and he was just like, and I was just telling him, I say, dude, whatever you do, um, um, don't just shut up and be quiet. Just do everything they say. Don't do anything stupid. And the dude, the dude was like, 
it was shocking to me because I'm like, this is Mississippi. You know, this is Mississippi. And this happens and, you know, this happens. And, and, and you know, but I think the guy understood. He knew, he kind of knew that this kid, that Tim was on the spectrum. He knew that. And I think that's the thing. I think the thing is, when it comes to these cops, you're trained more to shoot and kill than you are in terms of mediating in, into, in, in terms of conflict resolution. Yes. You know, you look at like they get like five or six hundred hours on weapons. You get 60 hours on um, you get 60 hours on conflict resolu- resolution. They basically train these cops to kill. They don't mm-hmm. train them to do anything else. And, 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 and that's the and that's really where the problem. That's the problem I have with cops. Like, that's the real the problem I have with cops. That's you, you 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 focus on weapon and weaponry instead of conflict resolution. And I, I remember there was this white lady asked me this question, and I said, you know how we fix this? We gotta start at the individual, at the individual, at the individual level. Like, mm-hmm. for example, in Chicago, they have a not an emergency 911 Twitter. Um, and, and they say, look, don't call cops on stupid shit. Okay, because you're basically advocating for state violence. That's mm-hmm. really what you're doing. So I think you start at the individual level. Like, for example, if you see something that is suspicious, yes, you should call. But if you see somebody outside on their porch drinking a 40 and they're not bothering anybody and they're not threatening anybody, guess what? Don't even call the cops. That's yeah. really what you got to start at. Um but also, but also, I think, you know, you and my friend Trisha, you, you know, she had that fear as well. She always has that fear because she was like, you know, her son is taller than him, uh, taller than her and everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, 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 I see that. I, I get that a lot. And yeah. and I think and I think and we, as we move on to the next topic about the uh, about the day we made Tom Brady cry. Um, <laughs> I just also wanted to point out as well, um, this is also another big misconception with autism. Um, Autistic people do not have a look. They can look 100% normal and you wouldn't know that they have autism. So for people to point, like for an example, with Cardi B's daughter culture, when people were saying that she is autistic based off of her looks and the way she looked, that doesn't necessarily mean she's on the spectrum. Um, My child looks 100% normal and he's on the spectrum. Um, So autism doesn't have a necessary look, it's based off of behaviors. Um, So please everyone do not diagnose anybody with autism based off of their looks because they may not have autism whatsoever. If you see the signs of autism, um, go to a a professional, go to a professional. If you see any signs or have any concerns with your child's development, um, or with somebody else, um, well, with your child, go to a specialist. If you have concerns with somebody else's child, um, well, can't say sit down and talk to them because some people won't don't want to hear it. But try to um, reach out and um, 
or just mind your business. Point blank period. That's all I can say. Mind your business. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And there's actually a place on on uh, Magazine Street that deals with people on the spectrum. It's right. I deliver food. You you know I deliver food. Yes. Uh, I delivery guy. So I deliver uh, food over there to them. And it's a nice, it's a resource center. It's right there on, on a magazine near the expressway. So yeah. now we get on to happier things. Um, <laughs> Hall of Fame, Saints Twitter Hall of Fame weekend last year, you became uh, a member of the Order of the Fleur de Lis, which is, of course, the highest honored uh, member of Saints Twitter can receive. Oh, thank you. I'm the... I'm the uh the sele- I am the selection committee because uh, last year uh last year you Nicole um Bree Bree and Skimp's getting in this year along uh Bree and Skimp's getting in this year and also um BJ got in last year I think BJ got in last year Kerm got in as well um and uh Allen and so many of our uh, friends and stuff. You were at that game, and and I will tell you this again. This goes back to my anxiety problems. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw me at the tailgate. I went home mm-hmm. because I think I went home right when James got hurt. So I yes. went home, and Nicole had texted me. Um, was texting me updates. I was like, I cannot watch this because we all know this is yes. Tom Brady. This yes. is the Buccaneers, and. Yes. And and we're we're gonna lose this game. So I'm like, we're gonna we're gonna lose this game. And so I went home, and um, I went home. Nicole was texting me, and, and I was like, I can't watch. Um, <laughs> I can't watch. So I fired up my laptop, and I went went in the um, I went in the building. Like we have a main building. So yeah. the main building, I went in there, fired up my laptop. My landlady, who sound my landlady is in the office at, mm-hmm. at where I and as soon as I typed in something I heard a loud yell from her and that was when PJ Williams made that pick, yes. um, made that pick. <laughs> so 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 from your perspective where, where you were sitting where, were y'all up in the terrace or where were y'all sitting at uh, we were sitting in the section with all the rest of Saints Twitter, baby. Um, but it was like it was, yeah. I, I get yes, it. Yes. Um. Let me tell you. With the moment, we had a whole bunch of Buck fans around us, and the rest of them was arrogant and ignorant. So, and there was one one Buck fan that we all got me. Um. Well, me mainly and Kern and um, Ree um, was sitting next to, and he was the only logical one. He said the moment Jameis went down, he was like, oh, no, we fucked up. This is, we're not going to win this game. Cause I'm like, the Saints lost it. He's like, the Saints lost their quarterback. They're going to play with so much adrenaline and so much emotion. Um, we're not going to win this game. And the rest of it was like, bitch, please. We finna win this game, blah, blah, blah. The moment, the first turnover, immediately the whole section full of Bucks fans got quiet. 
then and he was the dude the logical ones like see this is how it starts then the game ending pick the seal dip well before the game ending pick um a bunch of them got up and started walking out and there was a mixture of Bucks jerseys and Patriot Brady jerseys as well leaving out uh, jerseys leaving out as well um, but that one Bucks fan stayed and sat and watched the whole game. He's like, see, I, I told him that this game was gonna be done was done and over with when Jameis went down. He said, I called it. We was we was we're going to lose because the Saints are playing with so much emotion. But that game was so, so fun and so nerve-wracking, especially when Jameis did go down. We was all hurt. We was all in shock. The team was hurt and in shock. Um yeah. But yeah, it was a very good experience, and I can't wait to do it again this year. So, oh yeah, yes, yes. It's, <laughs> here's the fun. Here's the fun. Here's the here's the fucked up part about this show. The Saints yeah. have never won a game I've attended. That's what like every, like I kid you not. Every game I've gone to, they mm-hmm. never won. Mm-hmm. Like I went, I went to two games last year. I went when they played the Cowboys. I went when they played the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Here, here's here's a trivia. Since I've moved here in two th- before I moved to New Orleans, the Saints had never won four straight division titles, never went to the playoffs in four straight years. Mm-hmm. They have done that since I moved to New Orleans. The Saints, I think, I think, I want to say, I think they've won, I think, 70, I think they've won about 80, I think 80 games since mm-hmm. I moved. And yeah. they're, I think they're 80 and 50. I think they're 80 and 50. I think they're right. 80 and 20, 80 and 48 since I moved to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So that counts three, that includes the three playoff, the, uh, the playoff win and against the Bears, the playoff win against the Eagles, the playoff win against the, uh, the Panthers. And mm-hmm. the most, the thing is, they've never won a game I've attended. They've never won. So every time people do offer me tickets, I just say, no, I, I'm good. I'll watch at a tailgate or I'll watch from a bar. I would mm-hmm. not go to a game. Like I tried, I thought I would it would happen the first win would happen this year. Um, mm-hmm. but it didn't because we were just we were just hurt at the end. We were just hurt. And uh my next question is to you. Do you think Patrick Payton? Who how should I say this? When you think the because I asked BJ this question and BJ told me, you know, how hurt he was oh. when the no call happened. Because he, if you go and listen, BJ told me, he, BJ, he, I think I told you this, I think I said it on Twitter. The image of BJ looking like a zombie has always stuck with me. And I've covered sports for damn near 25 years. Mm-hmm. But do you think that the no call broke? Patrick Payton because fans that's different a fan like fans that's different but do you think you know in that locker room do you think that no call broke Patrick Payton and mainly created what he created which was like I'm just milling it in fuck it I'm out do you think he mailed it in after the no call honestly that was probably the breaking point I believe he was mentally checked out um, the year before and over the seven and nine years. 
Um, that's in my opinion. But the tip of the iceberg, the straw that broke the camel's back, the no call, he mentally, he fully mentally checked out. Um, because the signs was there. He refused to sign talent. Um he didn't want to give us full help um when he did um that 20 2018 2019 was our year to win literally and mm. even in the following year um was our win to win it all um he just after no love no call he like he stated he mentally checked out fully um, 2019, 2020, he should have, well, I can't say he should have checked back in, but he should have in that moment when he knew that he was done with coaching and, and when he knew that Drew Brees needed to sit down, he should have said something to Drew Brees and sat him down and maybe things would have been different. He made it would have gotten that spark back, but yeah. 2020, I mean, 20, the no no call really broke him down fully and mentally. Um, but I believe it started way before that when they started fucking with him over Bounty Gate and all that yeah. other shit. Yeah. So he, I, was, I, I, he was set I up. Think, he been I set think, up. That was just I, the tip of the iceberg. I, I think you, you bring up a point because I think he really was. Because here's the thing, and this happened before your time, Shay. They used to have, there was a Whenever you get a chance, look up Bounty Bowl. It was with the, uh, the Cowboys and the Eagles. They played at the veteran at Veteran Stadium. You don't know you, you know me, me, Kerm, and the older the elders of Saints Twitter, or the you know or the order of the Florida We know about this. The Vet State at Vet Stadium. They had a bounty program. There was a rumor that there was a bounty program to take out the Cowboys hit kicker, and it was the in the Eagles Cowboys rivalry is really big. So they had Bounty Bounty Bowl, Bounty Bowl 1 and Bounty Bowl 2. That's part of NFL lore. And Bounty Gate, to me, was a cover-up to to a a, a burgeoning problem, which was concussions. Mm -hmm. You have, like, you have people, like, you think about, you look at NBA players like Bill Russell, Jerry West, Bob Cousy, they get to live long and productive lives. You get what I'm saying? And and, and, and NFL players, there are a few that make it to 70, that do make it to 80. And, and, and that's a blessing. But looking at it in a full scale point, in a full scale, you know, the people that we grew up watching, mm-hmm. they went through hell. Yeah. And, and, and they went through hell. So th- if anything, if anything, the owners should have never been on the Saints. There was ne- the owners should have never been on the Saints because every fucking team has a similar program, a similar, mm-hmm. not a program, but a similar philosophy on defense. You mm-hmm. are going to kill, hunt, kill, and destroy. They put a mic on Demario Davis when he said, we hit, we hunt. We kill, we eat. Mm-hmm. Where's the energy about that shit? Yeah. But no, you no, you're right. I, I think I think you could kind of see that. I, I remember in 2012, 2013, like the drafting we did back then, Lord Jesus. It was that God. Was 
<laughs> it was. I don't know what he was thinking, but yeah. You know, I didn't like. I I think I think the the only gym in that 2014 2016 uh bunch that was it was Michael Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Michael Thomas. And and you and you and you you think about that, you know. And I think with me, and I'll say this in, in closing uh, about this. Um, I think when he had COVID twice, I think he yes. was just like, I can't do this anymore, you know, because yes. I've gone through like I can tell you, I've gone through like health issues myself. Like yeah. I got hit on my bike years ago, and mm-hmm. I remember the one thing that I remember, um, Dree, our friend Dree, because mm-hmm. I was really going through it uh five years ago like mentally and she was like you have to take time to live you have to live because um I was working in the quarter I didn't enjoy working in the quarter and I knew uh once I learned I could make money with with my bike I was like you know what I'm gonna do this and then I'll get it'll give me chances to do other things so I think that right there that that right there you know that right there, I think also, I think to me was the straw that brought the camels back. And I, and that, that Cowboys game last year, he just looked, he just looked, he just looked so out of it. He yeah. looked so out of it. And, but, but then in the back of my mind, I remember texting Nicole. I said, this is the shit that he created. Like this is the yeah. shit that he created. You gave Taysom Hill that bullshit contract. You didn't sign receivers. This is what you created. You drafted Ian Book, who shouldn't be on a damn star on a roster. He should be a fucking teacher, you know. It, it, it's you know, but but you know, I thank him for what he did. But 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 now we're on to the new business, which is the Dennis Allen era. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to on Friday? I know Dennis talked about playing the rookies. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to on uh, on uh, on Friday when we play the Texans? Well, we do play Saturday, but I'm gonna oh, go Saturday. to that game. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna go to that game. Um, since I do live out here in Houston. Um, but I just I have faith in Dennis. I know De- Dennis has been set up. The last three years, three, no, last five years he's been here. Um, well, been the defensive coordinator. Um, I know he's been fed up with the um, way the offense was going, and I can't wait to see what he does. Um, I wholeheartedly have 100% faith in him this season. Um I know that, yes, he used to be a head coach for the Raiders back in the day, and they had had terrible, terrible seasons. But he he kept um, all the offensive minds, uh, well, majority of them. Some of them went to get head coaching jobs um, down the line somewhere else. But um, he kept he kept those offensive minds. He kept the scheme, but he added talent to help us. Um, unlike the man that shall not no longer be named because he's no longer my head coach. Um, but yeah, he added more weapons to help us win. Um, my thing is, I want to be able to go into the playoffs, win in the playoffs, and not go out sad. Um, because those are heartbreaking 
losses. Like if you're going to lose, then lose in the regular season and I'll go and I'll be fine. But for us to go into the playoffs and embarrass ourselves in front of the hoes during the playoffs is not okay. And that shit is irritating. So from when we lost to the fucking Vikings the way we did, Lord, oh. fuck off. Not not the not the Minneapolis miracle. I, no, I, no. The, the one that that game didn't piss me off. That game didn't piss me off. I I, I accept the, 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 the one the, with uh, the one in the dome. Rudolph, the, with Kyle Rudolph did the OPI and they didn't call it. That one pissed me off. Um, that's another game that he meant to be checked out of as well. Um, I fell asleep during that game. Like I remember. I didn't know we lost because I'm not sure. Like, okay, so I rode my bike. Rode my, I rode my bike from uh, my house on Carondelet. Mm-hmm. I, I pulled up to the tailgate in pajama pants. <laughs> I, like, I literally showed up in pajama pants, and BJ looks at me. He's like, Brian, go home. I'm like, Brian, I'm like, I'm like what? Because I, 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 I'm like, that's when I kind of, like, realized that the Saints lost. Like, I literally showed up in pajama pants and sneakers because I had fell asleep during that game because I was falling asleep at the tailgate. And I'm like, man, look, this game is boring. I feel like, look, this game is boring. And uh, I went home. I felt like someone woke me up up and said, yo, uh, the Saints lost. I'm like, how do you feel? I'm like, oh, no comment. And here's here's the funny part about this, Shay. Before 2018, the last do you know the last time the Saints lost in a home, a home playoff game? You want take a guess. It never had you never until 2018, you never saw the Saints lose a home playoff game. The last yeah. time it happened was in 1991. Yeah. So you wouldn't even thought of when they last won a when they last lost a playoff game. 1991, they lost to the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's that's the most insane thing. Like, the Saints had, like, the Saints had never lost a home game. They did not lose, for 27 years, they did not lose a home playoff game. That's, that's mm-hmm. the, the amazing. So, there are people that never saw the Saints lose a home playoff game. Every, yeah. So, you weren't even thought of. I was maybe five or six when that happened. Dang but that's you didn't have to act like that. <laughs> I mean, but 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 also in, in in your lifetime, you've never seen the Cowboys make it to an NFC title game. Oh yeah, I have not. <laughs> you never seen that. Like I can, you know, again, I I'm can the same age as their last Super Bowl. So you, you even thought of, I mean, the fun here's the here's the here's the fucked up part about the most the most insane stat that I, I had throughout the stat. I said mm-hmm. Cowboys in the in the since 1996, since you've been in, in this world, here's the list of teams that have been the multiple uh NF uh multiple conference championship games. 49ers have done it, the Seahawks have done it, the Rams have done it, the Cardinals have done it, um the Cardinals have done it, the Vikings have done it, the Bears have done it, uh the Packers have done it. Steelers, Eagles, Ravens, Colts, Titans, Raiders. Uh, the Raiders have done it. Um, the list goes on and on. The fact that the Cowboys 
and the red and uh, not Redskins, the Commanders, Washington and 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 Dallas. They're the only two that I can think of, like bedrock franchises that have not gone to a conference championship in your lifetime. Like in your lifetime, yeah. and also you've never seen it, and you never seen the Detroit Lions win a playoff game. I mean, you, you've never seen, like, that's the, that's crazy. But look, Shay, thank you for coming on the podcast. Folks, the podcast will be up on tomorrow morning. As always, thank you for your time this time. And until next time, we will see you down the road.